Welcome back to another episode of the TR Hoops podcast, Tobacco Road Hoops, with your host, Jeremy Shaheen. This week, I'm going to talk about the Louisville-UNC matchup that happened in Chapel Hill Monday night, as well as Carolina's matchup this weekend at NC State in Raleigh. I'm also going to talk about Duke-UVA this past Wednesday, and then Duke's matchup with Syracuse, who Carolina actually plays next Monday. So uh, we'll see a lot of Syracuse these next uh, few days. And I'm also going to talk about uh, the top five or my top five head coaches of this season who have made the most impact and I've been most impressed with. Starting with this Carolina game against Louisville, um, you know, UNC came in as a heavy favorite, uh, just as they did against Pittsburgh. Um, and, and, you know, I know this night that they, you know, didn't want to have a letdown after that big win at Virginia Tech in, in Blacksburg. So, uh, you know, it felt like they brought the energy most of this game, especially down the wire defensively. Um, but Louisville played a great game, too. You know, you can never take your foot off the gas pedal. The, the talent level um, is not that far from the top teams and the teams that are kind of mid-tier in the country. Uh, the, ta- the talent level between these guys is not, is not that uh, separated. Uh, there's a lot of parity. You know, these guys can play at Louisville, obviously, but, you know, they've lost a lot of games. They've had a coach change, and, uh, you know, they were hungry to come to Chapel Hill to try to get the win. This game was really neck and neck for pretty much the whole time. Um, You know, Louisville brought their best, and, uh, you know, Baycott, again, had another double-double. He's he's actually two double-doubles away. He's got 21 for the season. He's two away from to tie the record of Bryce Johnson. Uh, that sent uh, 23 double-doubles his last year at Carolina. So Baycott's on a historic season. I still think he's up there for player of the year. Him and Alondez Williams at uh, Wake Forest for that ACC player of the year. So, uh, you know, major props to Baycott on another double-double. You know, he seems to bring it every single game unless he's getting in foul trouble. So, you know, he's had one great year so far. Another big key, towards the end of this game, there was a few minutes left, Carolina made a run, and and, uh, their defense really locked in. Uh, They made consecutive defensive stops. Louisville couldn't get good shots. And I think that was a lot of, uh, you know, that's a major props to Hubert and the the players. And, you know, because people forget these guys had one day to prepare. And uh, UNC is 346 in the country, and, and Benchman it's played. So they play all their, they play, you know, Puff Johnson played 12 minutes. I thought he did a good job. Uh, he, uh, his brother Cam was in attendance. And Styles and Kerwin Walton played four minutes each. So the, the starters were playing pretty much the whole game on one day's rest and an emotional victory back in Blacksburg. So that was no easy task. Um, and, and they came through in a huge, huge way. The guy I was most impressed with, though, was Brady Manick. Um, he made a notable play at the end, a pass to Baycott. Uh, he was cutting and made a, a pretty pl- uh, pass uh, to Baycott. And, and I've just been really impressed with B- uh, Manic. Um, his passing, he's a veteran. He plays like a veteran. He's a 23-year-old. He plays like he's played four years in a Power 5 conference, and he has in the Big 12 at Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, he's just been so consistent. Um, he's a lights-out shooter. Smart basketball player. He's you know a true basketball player. He's not the quickest. He's not the most athletic, um, but he's got a high basketball IQ. He's easy to play with, um, and I, 
I heard Hubert even talking about him after the game, but they don't really run that many plays for him. He kind of just, he finds him, he's in the right spot at the right times. His teammates know he's a great shooter, obviously, and um, he's a willing passer as well. He's just very easy to play with, um, and, you know, everyone loves someone like that on their team, and this grad transfer that uh, Hubert got, you know, I got to give him a ton of credit for going out to get Brady. I mean, uh, selling him on working with Baycott, Baycott be the low man, and, and Brady could be outside uh, on the perimeter. You know, it's just worked really well, and, uh, you know, I can see Hubert pursuing this again, and it's been a great experiment for him, and, and Brady's uh, done a great job at Carolina this season. Also in this game, Carolina shot 85% from the free throw line. Uh, they lead the ACC in free throw percentage at 75%. Uh, they have three guys over 80%, uh, Leaky Black, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love. Uh, surprisingly, Manic is at 66%. He doesn't get to the line too too often, but that's a surprising number. But Baycott is 68%. Um, so, you know, not bad. And uh, this is not a team you want to foul at the end of the games. If they can get in the bonus early, um, you know, they can put those points up there because they really cash in from the line. And then lastly with this game, I just wanted to give Hubert his props. A 20-win season. Carolina hasn't had a 20-win season in a few years. Um, and, and that should be noted. You know, that's a big deal for a first-year head coach. I don't care who you're coaching. It's, um, you know, they've had, they've had a lot of guys leave last year with transfers. And um, there was some shakiness. He came into a tough situation. Uh, having to get Brady Manick quickly. He got Dawson Garcia as well. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out. But... You know, I think Hubert deserves a lot of credit credit because, you know, like I said, it shouldn't be taken granted for granted getting a 20-win season, and they're well on their way past that uh, coming up here. Now getting into the matchup with NC State, um, UNC, we all know what they did last time at home. They scorched the Nets. They won by 20, but uh, that the, the score was not indicative of what happened. They it, That was 30 to 40 points. Um that they really, you know, felt like they had won by. Um, and, and, you know, Keats is having a tough year. They've had some injuries to start the year. Um, and, and I've kind of been surprised at the way Keats, uh, just things have gone for him. I really liked him at UNCW. He seems like a great guy. I always like the pressure that they put on other teams. But, you know, it's just been tough in Raleigh for him. And uh, he could be a guy that's on the, the hot seat. Right now they have the worst defense in the ACC and the worst three-point percentage defense in the ACC. So, you know, UNC is a great shooting team. We saw how well they shot against NC State last game. You know, that wasn't by coincidence. NC State does not defend the three ball uh, well at all. And uh, NC State also has the second-worst two-point percentage defensively. So, overall, they're just really bad defensively. Um, they've lost seven of eight games. And uh, I think another key to that game... I mean, NC State's going to have to play a great game for it to be close. Um, but Leaky Black and how he did on Seaborn um, last game, who's an NBA prospect, he's 6'7", but Leaky held him to 1-6 the first game, two points. Uh, I was watching the replay of that, and, uh, you know, Leaky did a great job on him because he's a really good player. Um, so NC State's going to have their hands full this weekend. Uh, Carolina's going to be ready. They're going to be pumped up for... Um, a game, you know, just down the road, and uh, expect them to, to come out ready to play. 
and uh, you know we'll see if, if NC State can keep this thing close at all. Now getting into Duke versus Virginia this past week, um, it was a rematch from a buzzer beater that UVA won at Cameron just a few weeks ago, um, and UVA needed this game. I mean, to beat Duke once is uh, to beat them twice. If they could have got them on their home court, that could have put them on the, in the conversation for the bubble. I mean, they're 17 and 11 after this game. Uh, but if you look at the eye test, and I know Coach K was talking about it after, I mean, they, they sure do look like an NCAA tournament team. They have some really poor losses in the beginning of the season, but they seem to me to be playing as well as anybody right now in the ACC. I'm always impressed with Tony Bennett and the way he coaches and the way his teams play. Um, you know, they, they just play together. They play as one. And, uh, you know, Tony's always ready to go for, you know, they did a great job again on Paulo. Uh, he had another bad game offensively, although I, I think he's doing a better job defensively. Um, he's got to let the game come to him a little bit and not try to force as much um, and, you know, assert his dominance. But, you know, he's, he's, he's a younger guy. He's a freshman. Um, and, and it comes with time just learning. And, um, I actually think Jeremy Roach played his best game, maybe at Duke, uh, definitely this season. He had 15 points, six of seven from the field. He had a few threes, and uh, he did a good job once uh, K.D. Clark got off to such a hot start for Virginia. I mean, Duke's game plan right out of the gates. You could tell that they weren't playing as on-the-ball pressure as they had at home against UVA. Um, Duke was kind of giving them more shots outside. And K.E. Clark, I mean, his career high was three threes in a game coming into this game. Within the first 15 minutes, he had six already. So he, you know, he's a gamer. And he, you know, that's what Duke wanted to, to let him shoot. And obviously, he got some wide open looks. But, you know, part of that game plan was having them shoot. And he, uh, Duke had to change up what they did. And part of what Jeremy did a good job of, of getting on uh, Clark and making things a bit tougher for him after those first 15 minutes when he was just, on fire. I think the key to this game was Duke allowed 20 points in the paint versus 52 points in the paint the first time. Um, so like I said, they, they didn't ball pressure as much um, or overplay rather. Um, they, you know, you got to make Virginia shoot the ball. Uh, they're not a great shooting team, so you, know, you got to play the percentages. Uh, but UVA hung tough. I mean, this thing came down to the end. They made runs. And uh, A.J. Griffin, who was struggling pretty much all game, had a big-time end of the game with a few late buckets, a couple threes, getting to the basket, um, a couple free throws. He really stepped up in a major way after he was struggling for an 18-year-old. That's not easy to do, especially on the road. So um, I give him a lot of credit for that. Mark Williams also played really well. Um, I think he's going to be your defensive player of the year in the ACC. Uh, Leaky Black will will most likely be first team all ACC defensively. He should be. Um, but Mark should take home the, the defensive player of the year due to blocks. And, uh, you know, Mark did a really good job that night. Now Duke heads to upstate New York. Got to go to Syracuse. Um, and, and they essentially have four guys that can score at Syracuse. They lost Jesse Edwards, their seven-footer, their rim protector, who was actually having a really good season before he got injured for the season. Um, but they got Joe Girard, Jimmy Bayheim, Buddy Bayheim, and uh, Cole Swider, the transfer from Villanova. Um, and those are their guys. Uh, they heavily rely on them. You know, you think Hubert plays not much of a bench. Well, Jimmy, Jimmy Bayheim 
uh, plays less of a bench. They're 356th in the country out of 358 teams that uh, play their bench. So, you know, they're the, they don't play a bench at all. Um, and uh, they really heavily rely on three-point shooting. This is the most unathletic Syracuse team I've ever seen. Um, and, and Duke, you know, they have no excuses in this game. Maybe Syracuse gets hot, but Duke needs to assert themselves athletically and get into the passing lanes, get on these guys, and try to wear them out over a 40-minute game. Although, uh, you know, Syracuse is playing at home, and, um, you know, Buddy can get hot. He's, he's a great player. So uh, we'll see if Duke can contain him and, and the other guys. And now, uh, so Duke has Syracuse Saturday. Carolina has another one-day rest and has to play Syracuse the following Monday. So that will be another interesting thing, how Carolina gets through that NC State game and then has one day's rest for the for the zone. I think UNC is well, well-mannered for that zone and ready to go against their great three-point shooting team. They pass the ball pretty well. Um, you know, I, I'm just not used to seeing a 5'10 guy lead that zone for Syracuse, Joe Girard. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a really, you know, he can, he can shoot the heck out of the ball at times. Um, he's a smart basketball player. You'll see Syracuse get fouled on the three quite a bit, stick the leg out. Uh, just smart plays that they make that get, gets them extra shots, extra free throws. Um, but, you know, athletically, they're, they have to be one of the, uh, least athletic Power Five conference teams. And another thing I'll note, you know, on beating this zone, uh, the 2-3 zone that Syracuse plays, I mean, I think Carolina uh, is well-oiled to beat it. You know, they put Brady Manick up at that free throw line, getting to the teeth of that zone. He's a great facilitator, passer from that area, can shoot it uh, from that area at the free throw line. Um, and that's one of the things about the zone, you know, you need to get into the to the middle of it and create uh, with the pass. Uh, you got to rely on each other a lot. There's not a lot of isolation ball against the zone. You're not taking your man one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, got to rely on each other a lot. So uh, that game can bring a lot of guys together or a lot of teams together and having to, um, like I said, rely on each other uh, to find open shots and open looks against that zone. And then another thing with the when you do shoot, you know, it's hard in a zone to box out and, re and locate a man. So you got to crash the boards, and, and Baycott could have a field day down there, especially without Jesse Edwards these days. Um, and then Duke the same. I think, you know, they should put Paulo in the middle of that zone. Um, you can take that shot or you can kick it out to A.J. Griffin, Trevor Keels, Roach, Wendell Moore. And then you got uh, guys like Mark Williams. Uh, Theo John crashing the boards, trying to get putbacks, extra possessions. Um, and and uh, I think Syracuse is going to have to have someone get completely hot. Cole Swider, Buddy. I think Buddy's going to have to be the guy where he goes for 30 or 40 uh, to try to put this team on his back and uh, do some of what he did last year and a little bit this year of um, you know having an unbelievable performance. Now I'm going to get into my top five coaches this season who I think have done the best job uh, this specific season. Um, and, and it's always tough grading these coaches, but, you know, I'm going to say John Calipari at number five. I know he catches a lot of shade, uh, but the thing I'm always impressed with is how Calipari gets his freshman, his one-and-done freshman to play as a team and come together. Um, I mean, there's no denying that. And, uh, Especially this season, why I'm giving him the nod is because the way he constructed his team 
is, uh, you know, they, I think they're, they're my leader right now to make a deep run. Um, but getting some transfers who are older, Oscar Schwebway from West Virginia, um, he's leading the country in rebounding. And they got Kellen Grady, who was uh, over a thousand points at Davidson, coming from a great program from Bob McKillop, the dead eye shooter, Kellen Grady, um, Severe Wheeler, their point guard coming from Georgia. Uh, so they brought him in. They're bringing some, they brought some experience in to go with Ty Ty Washington. They got him late in the game as far as recruiting. He's a freshman who should be, um, a, he will be a first round draft pick. Um, they just really mesh very well together. And I'm, I'm, uh, you know, the job Calipari has done to uh, get these guys to come there and construct this team is built to beat anybody. So he's why, you know, he, he got my nod in this top five. Then with my fourth, I'm going with Bruce Pearl. Um, you know, the way he, the energy he brings always seems to it translate to his team. They always seem to play with energy and, and enthusiasm and passion. And the way he constructed this team to go out and get KD Johnson from Georgia, a transfer. I love the, he's one of my favorite players in the country. I love the way he plays. He's six foot, um, smaller guy, but he's just, he's like a bull. He's just tough as nails and uh, he's a big time player. And you got Wendell Green Jr., another guard from a transfer. He got him from Eastern Kentucky. Um, and then you look at a guy like Walker Kessler, who we all know about. He's probably going to win. He should win Defensive Player of the Year, maybe even Player of the Year, um, the way he's come and, and put himself into that first round of the NBA draft and just having a great season um, in every single way, uh, blocking shots left and right. Uh, he's just had an awesome year. And then Jabari Smith, who could potentially, potentially be the number one pick um, I love his game. He can do it all. He can get to the basket. He can shoot. He's long. He's lengthy. Um, he plays as a, as a team. And, uh, you know, the, the way that Bruce constructed this team, like I said, kind of similar to Calipari is, is why I have him in here. You know, they just, the pieces have fit so well together. They've meshed so well together. And, you know, they're another team that I can see making a deep run. They have a really good offense. And then when you have a rim protector like that, like Kessler, you can overplay and get steals, and because you know you got that guy behind you, um, you know not not letting anything come easy under that basket. Then at number three, I'm going with Mark Adams. He took over for Chris Beard at Texas Tech. Uh, he was the one who implemented the, the defense that they have um, with Chris Beard, and, and that's just carried on to his time. I mean, the the level of intensity and defense and energy that they seem to bring every single possession is uh, unlike any other team I've seen in the country, uh, actually. And uh, I don't think anyone wants to see them play. They're looking at a two seed. You know, maybe, hey, they won it. They went out, maybe they get a one. But they're more likely a two or a three. But uh, whoever sees them is going to have their hands full. And, uh, you know, what Mark Adams has done, like I said, they brought in a lot of transfers. Um, O'Banner from... Uh, they played last season. Um, Oral Roberts last season had O'Banner, and he is a really good player. He brought in uh, five transfers. Mark Adams did, and all these guys are they're making impacts, and uh, they just uh, the way they really play together, and uh, just how they're all committed defensively. I mean, they can they can go through nights not playing great offensively, but their defense always seems to be there. 
you'll see a lot of teams are affected by their offense. You know, they miss some shots. They'll have lapses on defense. But uh, with this Texas Tech team, they don't ever seem to have lapses on defense. Uh, and they always bring the energy. So uh, a lot of credit to Mark Adams and how he's taken over that that uh, that school since Chris Beard left. You know, people thought there may be a drop-off. But uh, they can compete with anybody. They can beat anybody this season. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them going forward. Now at number two, I'm going to go with Shaka Smart. I've always believed in this guy. I know he had tough times at Texas. Um, what a job he did at VCU. But, you know, coming into Marquette, uh, when Wojo got let go, there was three scholarship players who returned from last season. And, um, you know, uh, Shaka went out and got some transfers. Um, you know, five guys, they got uh, Daryl Morsell from Maryland, Taylor Kolick from George Mason, um, a guy from Clemson, and then Quarkwath from Oklahoma. And uh, what they've done to become one of the, you know, top 30 teams in the country, you know, a surefire NCAA tournament team, um, just speaks volumes of what Shaka has done there so far in his short time. And, um, you know, they've had some big wins in the Big East, and uh, just, I give major props to what Shaka has done there so far. Lastly, I'm going with Arizona's Tommy Lloyd. Uh, we had heard so many good things about him from Gonzaga, being with Mark Few out there in Spokane, but, you know, we weren't really sure what was going to happen when he took the job. They have a talented roster, but, you know, you never really know. And, and this team has lost two games at UCLA, and then they lost against Tennessee, and uh, they're, they're winning these games by a lot in the Pac-12, most of them. Um, they're looking at a one seed right now. And uh, they're, they're on a good path for a one seed in his first season out there. Uh, notable assistant is Steve Robinson from Carolina. So he, he, he develops his staff in a great way. And, you, you know, like I said, Arizona has been beating these teams by a lot of points besides UCLA and the Pac-12. Uh, this, the last time they played them, they won by 10, but they've been winning most of these games by 10, 20, some 30 points. Um, so it's it's incredibly impressive what he's done there and implemented. And uh, a lot of people are going to be looking towards them in the NCAA tournament. As far as I evaluate the, the Arizona team, I've seen them play about five or so times. Um, I like, obviously, what they have. I mean, they're winning these games. It was surprising earlier in the year seeing how well they were doing. I'm not sure if I would put them in my top five teams that I think can make a run, but, you know, they get that one seed. They're going to have a good path at it. Um, it looks like Gonzaga will get the one seed in the West, um, and then uh, Arizona will be out there um, in the Midwest. So uh, we'll see what happens, but those are my top five coaches for this season right now. And, um you know, I think they've all done a great job. They've done a, a lot of the coaches have done a great job. I mean, it's so tough competing in this day and age with all the parity and recruiting and transfer rules and um, how hard it is. And uh, but those would be my top five for this season, I would say right now, on how these guys have recruited, constructed their teams, came in to new jobs. Um, just well done by them. And with that, I'm going to wrap up another episode here. Carolina and Duke have two tough games on the road this weekend um, against teams that are hungry for a win. So uh, they're going to have to come out ready to play, and uh, we'll see what happens. But with that, another episode of the TR Hoops podcast with your host, Jeremy Shaheen.